Chapter 4 to Chapter 5 of Don Quixote, Volume 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Glendower Jones Don Quixote, Volume 2 by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra Translated by John Ormsby Chapter 4 to Chapter 5 Chapter 4 In which Sancho Panza gives a satisfactory reply to the doubts and questions of the bachelor Samson Carrasco, together with other matters worth knowing and telling. Sancho came back to Don Quixote's house, and returning to the late subject of conversation, he said, as to what Senor Samson said, that he would like to know by whom, or how, or when my ass was stolen, I say in reply, that the same night we went into the Sierra Morena, flying from the Holy Brotherhood, after that unlucky adventure of the galley slaves, and the other of the corpse that was going to Segovia, my master and I ensconced ourselves in a thicket, and there, my master leaning on his lance, and I seated on my dapple, battered and weary, with the late phrase, we fell asleep, as if it had been on four feather mattresses. And I, in particular, slept so sound that, whoever he was, he was able to come and prop me up on four stakes, which he put under the four corners of the pack-saddle in such a way that he left me mounted on it and took away Dapple from under me without my feeling it. That's an easy matter, said Don Quixote, and it is no new occurrence, for the same thing happened to Sacrapante at the siege of Albraca. The famous thief Brunello by the same contrivance, took his horse from between his legs. Day came, continued Sancho, and the moment I stirred, the stakes gave way, and I fell to the ground with a mighty come down. I looked about for the ass, but could not see him. The tears rushed to my eyes, and I raised such a lamentation that... If the author of our history has not put it in, he may depend upon it he has left out a good thing. Some days after, I know not how many, travelling with her ladyship, the princess Mikomikona, I saw my ass, and mounted on him in the dress of a gypsy, was that Jeanne de Passamonte, the great rogue and rascal that my master and I freed from the chain. That is not where the mistake is, replied Samson. It is that before the ass has turned up, the author speaks of Sancho as being mounted on it. Oh, I don't know what to say to that, said Sancho, unless that the historian made a mistake, or perhaps it might be a blunder of the printers. No doubt that's it, said Samson. But what became of the hundred crowns? Did they vanish? To which Sancho answered, I spent them for my own good, and my wife's, and my children's, and it is they that have made my wife bear so patiently 
all my wanderings on highways and byways in the service of my master, Don Quixote, for if after all this time I had come back to the house without a rap and without the ass, it would have been a poor lookout for me. And if anyone wants to know anything more about me, here I am, ready to answer the king himself in person. And it is no affair of any one's whether I took or did not take, whether I spent or did not spend. For the wax that were given me in these journeys were to be paid for in money, even if they were valued at no more than four maravedis apiece. Another hundred crowns would not pay me for half of them. Let each look to himself, and not try to make out white, black, and black, white, for each of us is as God made him, I, and often worse. I will take care, said Carrasco, to impress upon the author of the history that if he prints it again, he must not forget what worthy Sancho has said, for it will raise it a good span higher. Is there anything else to correct in the history, Senor Bachelor? asked Don Quixote. No doubt there is, he replied, but not anything that will be of the same importance as those I have mentioned. Does the author promise a second part at all? said Don Quixote. He does promise one, replied Samson, but he says he has not found it, nor does he know who has got it, and we cannot say whether it will appear or not, and so on that head, as some say that no second part has ever been good, and others that enough has already been written about Don Quixote, it is thought that there will be no second part, though some, who are jovial rather than saturnine, say, Let us have more Quixotides, let Don Quixote charge and Sancho Chata, and no matter what it may turn out, we shall be satisfied with that. And what does the author mean to do? said Don Quixote. What? replied Samson. Why, as soon as he has found the history, which he is now searching for with extraordinary diligence, he will at once give it to the press, moved more by the profit that may accrue to him from doing so than by any thought of praise. Whereat Sancho observed, The author looks for money and profit, does he? It will be a wonder if he succeeds, for it will be only hurry, hurry. With him, like the tailor on Easter Eve, and works done in a hurry are never finished as perfectly as they ought to be. Let Master Moore, or whatever he is, pay attention to what he is doing, and I and my master will give him as much grouting ready to his hand, in the way of adventures and accidents of all sorts, as would make up not only one second part, but a hundred. The good man fancies, no doubt, that we are fast asleep in the straw here. But let him hold up our feet to be shod, and he will see which foot it is we go lame on. All I say is that if my master would take my advice, we would be now afield, redressing outrages and righting wrongs, as is the use and custom of good knights errant. Sancho had hardly uttered these words when the neighing of Rocinante fell upon their ears, which neighing Don Quixote accepted as a happy omen, and he resolved to make another sally in three or four days from that time. Announcing his intention to the bachelor, he asked his advice as to the quarter in which he ought to commence his expedition, and the bachelor replied that in his opinion he ought to go to the kingdom of Aragon and the city of Saragossa, 
where there were to be certain solemn joustings at the festival of St. George, at which he might win renown above all the knights of Aragon, which would be winning it above all the knights of the world. He commended his very praiseworthy and gallant resolution, but admonished him to proceed with greater caution in encountering dangers, because his life did not belong to him, but to all those who had need of him to protect and aid them in their misfortunes. "'There's where it is what I abominate, Senor Samson,' said Sancho here. "'My master will attack a hundred armed men as a greedy boy would half a dozen melons. "'Body of the world, Senor Bachelor, there is a time to attack and a time to retreat. "'And it is not always Santiago and close Spain. "'Moreover, I have heard it said, and I think my master himself, if I remember rightly,' that the mean of valour lies between the extremes of cowardice and rashness. And if that be so, I don't want him to fly without having good reason, or to attack when the odds make it better not. But, above all things, I warn my master that if he is to take me with him, it must be on the condition that he is to do all the fighting, and that I am not to be called upon to do anything except what concerns keeping him clean and comfortable. In this I will dance attendance on him readily, but to expect me to draw sword even against rascally churls of the hatchet and hood is idle. I don't set up to be a fighting man, Senor Samson, but only the best and most loyal squire that ever served knight-errant, and if my master Don Quixote, in consideration of many faithful services, is pleased to give me some island, of the many his worship says one may stumble on in these parts, I will take it as a great favour, and if he does not give it to me, I was born like every one else, and a man must not live in dependence on any one except God. And, what is more, my bread will taste as well, and perhaps even better, without a government than if I were a governor. And how do I know? but that in these governments the devil may have prepared some trip for me to make me lose my footing and fall and knock my grinders out. Sancho I was born, and Sancho I mean to die. But for all that, if heaven were to make me a fair offer of an island or something else of the kind, without much trouble and without much risk, I am not such a fool as to refuse it. For they say, too, when they offer thee a heifer, Run with a halter, and when good luck comes to thee, take it in. Brother Sancho, said Carrasco, you have spoken like a professor. But for all that, put your trust in God and in Senor Don Quixote, for he will give you a kingdom, not to say an island. It's all the same, be it more or be it less, replied Sancho, though I can tell you, Senor Carrasco, that my master would not throw the kingdom he might give me into a sack all in holes, for I have felt my own pulse, and I find myself sound enough to rule kingdoms and govern islands. And I have before now told my master as much. Take care, Sancho, said Samson. Honours change manners, and perhaps when you find yourself a governor, you won't know the mother that bore you. That may hold good for those that are born in the ditches, said Sancho, 
not for those who have the fat of an old Christian four fingers deep on their souls as I have. Nay, only look at my disposition. Is that likely to show ingratitude to anyone? God grant it, said Don Quixote. We shall see when the government comes, and I seem to see it already. He then begged the bachelor, if he were a poet, to do him the favour of composing some verses for him conveying the farewell he meant to take of his lady Dulcinea del Toboso, and to see that a letter of her name was placed at the beginning of each line, so that, at the end of the verses, Dulcinea del Toboso might be read by putting together the first letters. The bachelor replied that although he was not one of the famous poets of Spain, who were, they said, only three and a half, he would not fail to compose the required verses. Though he saw a great difficulty in the task, as the letters which made up the name were seventeen, so if he made four ballad stanzas of four lines each, there would be a letter over, and if he made them of five, what they call decimas, or Rodondelas, there were three letters short. Nevertheless, he would try to drop her a letter as well as he could, so that the name Dulcinea del Toboso might be got into four ballad stanzas. It must be, by some means or other, said Don Quixote, for, unless the name stands there plain and manifest, no woman would believe the verses were made for her. They agreed upon this, and that the departure should take place in three days from that time. Don Quixote charged the bachelor to keep it a secret, especially from the curate and Master Nicholas, and from his niece and the housekeeper, lest they should prevent the execution of his praiseworthy and valiant purpose. Carrasco promised all, and then took his leave, charging Don Quixote to inform him of his good or evil fortunes whenever he had an opportunity. And thus they bade each other farewell, and Sancho went away to make the necessary preparations for their expedition. Chapter 5 Of the shrewd and droll conversation that passed between Sancho Panza and his wife Teresa Panza and other matters worthy of being duly recorded. The translator of this history, when he comes to write this fifth chapter, says that he considers it apocryphal, because in it Sancho Panza speaks in a style unlike that which might have been expected from his limited intelligence, and says things so subtle that he does not think it possible he could have conceived them. However, desirous of doing what his task imposed upon him, he was unwilling to leave it untranslated, and therefore he went on to say, Sancho came home in such glee and spirits that his wife noticed his happiness a bowshot off, so much so that it made her ask him, What have you got, Sancho friend, that you are so glad? To which he replied, Wife, if it were God's will, I should be very glad not to be so well pleased as I show myself. I don't understand you, husband, said she, and I don't know what you mean by saying you would be glad. 
if it were God's will, not to be well pleased, for, fool as I am, I don't know how one can find pleasure in not having it. Haki, Teresa, replied Sancho, I am glad because I have made up my mind to go back to the service of my master Don Quixote, who means to go out a third time to seek for adventures, and I am going with him again, for my necessities will have it so, and also the hope that cheers me with the thought that I may find another hundred crowns like those we have spent. Though it makes me sad to leave thee and the children, and if God would be pleased to let me have my daily bread dry shod and at home, without taking me out into the byways and crossroads, and he could do it at small cost by merely willing it, it is clear my happiness would be more solid and lasting, for the happiness I have is mingled with the sorrow at leaving thee. So that I was right in saying I would be glad, if it were God's will, not to be well pleased. Look here, Sancho, said Teresa. Ever since you joined on to a knight-errant, you talk in such a roundabout way that there is no understanding you. It's enough that God understands me, wife, replied Sancho, for he is the understander of all things that will do. But mine, sister, you must look to Dapple carefully for the next three days so that he may be fit to take arms. Double his feet and see to the pack-saddle another harness, for it is not to a wedding we are bound, but to go round the world and play at give and take with giants and dragons and monsters, and hear hissings and roarings and bellowings and howlings, and even all this would be lavender if we had not to reckon with young goosens and enchanted moors. I know well enough, husband, said Teresa, that squires errant don't eat their bread for nothing, and so I will be always praying to our Lord to deliver you speedily from all that hard fortune. I can tell you, wife, said Sancho, if I did not expect to see myself governor of an island before long, I would drop down dead on the spot. Nay then, husband, said Teresa, let the hen live, though it be with her pip, live, and let the devil take all the governments in the world. You came out of your mother's womb without a government. You have lived until now without a government. And when it is God's will, you will go, or be carried, to your grave without a government. How many there are in the world who live without a government, and continue to live all the same, and are reckoned in the number of the people? The best source in the world is hunger, and as the poor are never without that, they always eat with a relish. But mind, Sancho, if by good luck you should find yourself with some government, don't forget me and your children. Remember that Sanchico is now full fifteen, and it is right he should go to school. If his uncle the abbot has a mind to have him trained for the church, consider, too, that your daughter... Marie Sancha will not die of grief if we marry her, for I have my suspicions that she is as eager to get a husband as you to get a government, and, after all, a daughter looks better ill-married than well-whored. By my faith, replied Sancho, if God brings me to get any sort of government, I intend, wife, 
to make such a high match for Marie Sancha that there will be no approaching her without calling her my lady. Nay, Sancho, returned Teresa, marry her to her equal. That is the safest plan. For if you put her out of wooden clogs into high-heeled shoes, out of her grey flannel petticoat into hoops and silk gowns, out of the plain Marika and thou into Donna so-and-so and my lady, the girl won't know where she is, and at every turn she will fall into a thousand blunders that will show the thread of her coarse homespun stuff. Tut, you fool, said Sancho, it will be only to practice it for two or three years, and then dignity and decorum will fit her as easily as a glove. And if not, what matter? Let her be my lady, and never mind what happens. Keep to your own station, Sancho, replied Teresa. Don't try to raise yourself higher, and bear in mind the proverb that says, Wipe the nose of your neighbor's son, and take him into your house. A fine thing it would be indeed to marry our Maria to some great count or grand gentleman, who, when the humor took him, would abuse her, and call her clown bread, and clodhopper's daughter, and spinning wench. I have not been bringing up my daughter for all this time, I can tell you, husband. Do you bring home money, Sancho, and leave marrying her to my care? There is Lope Torcho, Juan Torco's son, a stout, sturdy young fellow that we know, and I can see he does not look sour at the girl, and with him, one of our own sort, she will be well married." and we shall have her always under our eyes, and be all one family, parents and children, grandchildren and sons-in-law, and the peace and blessing of God will dwell among us. So don't you go marrying her in those courts and grand palaces, where they won't know what to make of her, or she what to make of herself. Why, you idiot and wife of Barabbas, said Sancho, what do you mean by trying, without why or wherefore, to keep me from marrying my daughter to one who will give me grandchildren that will be called your lordship? Look ye, Teresa, I have always heard my elders say that he who does not know how to take advantage of luck when it comes to him has no right to complain if it gives him the go-by. And now that is a knocking at our door. It will not do to shut it out. Let us go with the favouring breeze that blows upon us. It is this sort of talk, and what Sancho says lower down, that made the translator of the history say he considered this chapter apocryphal. Don't you see, you animal, continued Sancho, that it will be well for me to drop into some profitable government that will lift us out of the mire, and marry Mari Sancho to whom I like, and you yourself will find yourself called Donna Teresa Panza, and sitting in church on a fine carpet and cushions and draperies, in spite and in defiance of all the born ladies of the town? No, stay as you are, growing neither greater nor less, like a tapestry figure. Let us say no more about it, for Sanchica shall be a countess. Say what you will. Are you sure of all that you say, husband? replied Teresa. Well, for all that, I am afraid this rank of countess for my daughter will be her ruin. 
You do as you like. Make a duchess or a princess of her. But I can tell you, it will not be with my willing consent. I was always a lover of equality, brother, and I can't bear to see people give themselves airs without any right. They called me Teresa at my baptism, a plain, simple name, without any additions or tags or fringes of dons or donors. Casajo was my father's name, and as I am your wife, I am called Teresa Panza, though by right I ought to be called Teresa Casajo. But kings go where laws like, and I am content with this name without having the Don put on top of it to make it so heavy that I cannot carry it. And I don't want to make people talk about me when they see me go dressed like a countess or a governor's wife. For they will say at once, see what airs the slut gives herself. Only yesterday she was always spinning flax and used to go to mass with the tail of her petticoat over her head instead of a mantle. And there she goes today in a hooped gown with her brooches and airs as if we didn't know her. If God keeps me in my seven senses, or five, or whatever number I have, I am not going to bring myself to such a pass. Go, you brother, and be a government or an island man, and swagger as much as you like. For by the soul of my mother, neither my daughter nor I are going to stir a step from our village. A respectable woman should have a broken leg and keep at home, and to be busy at something is a virtuous damsel's holiday. Be off to your adventures, along with your Don Quixote, and leave us to our misadventures, for God will mend them for us according as we deserve it. I don't know, I am sure, who fixed the Don to him, what neither his father nor grandfather had. I declare thou hast a devil of some sort in thy body, said Sancho. God help thee! What a lot of things thou hast strung together, one after the other, without head or tail. What have Casacho and the brooches and the proverbs and the airs to do with what I say? Look here, fool and dolt, for so I may call you when you don't understand my words and run away from good fortune. If I had said that my daughter was to throw herself down from a tower or go roaming the world as the Infanta Dona Raca wanted to do, you would be right in not giving way to my will. But if in an instant, in less than a twinkling of an eye, I put the Don and my lady on her back and take her out of the stubble and place her under a canopy on a dais on a couch with more velvet cushions than all the Omahades of Morocco ever had in their family, why won't you consent and fall in with my wishes? Do you know why, husband? replied Teresa. Because of the proverb that says, Who covers thee, discovers thee. At the poor man, people only throw a hasty glance. On the rich man, they fix their eyes. And if the said rich man was once on a time poor, it is then there is the sneering and the tattle and spite of backbiters. And in the streets, here they swarm as thick as bees. Look here, Teresa, said Sancho, and listen to what I am now going to say to you. And maybe you never heard it in all your life. And I do not give my own notions 
For what I am about to say are the opinions of his reverence the preacher, who preached in this town last Lent, and who said, if I remember rightly, that all things present that our eyes behold bring themselves before us, and remain and fix themselves on our memory much better and more forcibly than things past. These observations which Sancho makes here are the other ones on account of which the translator says he regards this chapter as apocryphal, inasmuch as they are beyond Sancho's capacity. Whence it arises, he continued, that when we see any person well-dressed and making a figure with rich garments and retinue of servants, it seems to lead and impel us perforce to respect him, though memory may at the same time recall to us some lowly condition in which we have seen him, but which, whether it may have been poverty or low birth, being now a thing of the past, has no existence, while the only thing that has any existence is what we see before us. And if this person, whom fortune has raised from his original lowly state, these were the very words the Padre used, to his present height of prosperity, be well-bred, generous, courteous to all, without seeking to vie with those whose nobility is of ancient date. Depend upon it, Teresa, no one will remember what he was, and everyone will respect what he is, except indeed the envious, from whom no fair fortune is safe. I do not understand you, husband replied Teresa. Do as you like, and don't break my head with any more speechifying and rhetoric. And if you have revolved to do what you say... Resolved, you should say, woman, said Sancho, not revolved. Don't set yourself to wrangle with me, husband, said Teresa. I speak as God pleases, and don't deal in out-of-the-way phrases. And I say, if you are bent upon having a government... Take your son Sancho with you, and teach him from this time on how to hold a government, for sons ought to inherit and learn the trades of their fathers. As soon as I have the government, said Sancho, I will send for him by post, and I will send thee money, of which I shall have no lack, for there is never any want of people to lend it to governors when they have not got it, and do thou dress him so as to hide what he is, and make him look what he is to be. You send the money, said Teresa, and I'll dress him up for you as fine as you please. Then we are agreed that our daughter is to be a countess, said Sancho. The day I see her a countess, replied Teresa, it will be the same to me as if I was burying her. But once more I say, do as you please, for we women are born to this burden of being obedient to our husbands, though they be dogs. And with this she began to weep in earnest, as if she already saw Sanchica dead and buried. Sancho consoled her by saying that though he must make her a countess, he would put it off as long as possible. Here their conversation came to an end, and Sancho went back to see Don Quixote and make arrangements for their departure. End of chapter 4 to chapter 5